Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I'm Erwin Kishner, Herrick's executive chairman, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Yariv Ben-Ari. I'm a partner at Herrick Feinstein in the real estate group. I also chair our firm's Israel practice and hospitality practice. I'd like to welcome my partner, Deb. Shalom, Deb. Shalom, Yariv. Shalom, shalom. Como ça va? Ça va bien. And welcome to all in the Nordic Ah, guten tag. <laughs> That's German. <laughs> I'm pulling out everything I can. What I have left is just Yiddish. That's all right. That's all right, too. So I'd like to welcome uh, all our listeners to our podcast uh, about our growing international practice at, at Herrick Feinstein. And I'm very excited to introduce you uh, to everyone because you recently joined Herrick, right? Yeah. Thanks so much, Arif. It's really been great. We came over uh, in the end of December of 2020. Uh, it's been a fantastic synergy with everyone at Herrick, and I'm so happy that we were able to launch the Nordic practice, which quite frankly has been my goal since I went to law school. So it's really a realization of a dream come true for me. So just over the moon. Deb, before we kind of jump into the business and, and the synergies, can you tell me a little bit about what the Nordic countries are about for those of us who are not familiar with it? So yeah, sure. We're talking about five countries in no particular order. Um, this is Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden. We're talking about a region um, that is in the north and is uh, all together just under 30 million people. I think last I checked, it was around 27, 28 million people. Do you know all the names? Of, of every person. Of all 27 million? No. Uh, I think I only had 25 million and memorized. Uh, give me another week and I'll get okay. that done. And yeah, they share um, not just a geographic region, but they also share, at least with three of the countries, linguistic similarities. Uh, Finland, as people may, may may or may not know, is a different language. Uh, it's closer to Hungarian than the other three countries, which for the most part uh, are very, very similar. Uh, depending on, of course, there's a, a gazillion dialects in any one of the countries. But if you can read Norwegian, you can read Danish. And if you can speak Norwegian, you can pretty much understand Swedish unless they come from a, a, one of these southern, the southern area called Skolnat, which is very hard for most people to understand. Anyway, they, they share a lot of similarities. And then, of course, there's all these cultural similarities uh, between the between all four countries. Deb, when, um, when I was told about the uh, launch of our Nordic practice, I was very excited. And I decided this is something I want to invest in. And I'll tell you why. Because many years ago, and I haven't told you this story before, this goes back about say to about 2001 or 2000, roughly, I was working for a venture capital fund. And uh, one of the projects that came to us for an investment, a seed investment, was a company who said, we want to integrate cameras into cell phones. Now, at the time, Israel, and Israel still is, one of the leaders of uh, uh, cell phone penetration and technologies in the world. I think at the time, uh, there was like 90% penetration of, of cell phones in Israel, and landlines were only at like 60%. So it was really uh, amazing. 
And I remember um, I was sitting in an investment committee and we all looked at each other and said, who would want to incorporate a camera into a cell phone? You have a, a cell phone to talk to and you have your camera to, to, to take pictures with. Why incorporate them? And we said, this is never going to work. About two weeks later, this device called the Sony Ericsson came out. And I don't need to tell you the rest of the story. So I decided um, I'm not going to let those kinds of opportunities go by again. And I really want to uh, work on this Nordic, Nordic practice and especially with Israel. So it's very, very exciting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background in terms of uh, of the Nordic countries and kind of what connected you to it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so way back when I um, was a very ambitious and curious high school student, I wanted to go to do an overseas year. This is before the gap year concept became so popular. And I wanted to take a year uh, to be fully immersed in a foreign country and learn the language and the culture. So what I did was I didn't want to be late for college. So I graduated high school in three years. And then I applied with AFS and they sent me over to Norway. And I actually ended up living at 69 degrees north in a tiny town in the Arctic. Um, I think at the time there was somewhere between three or 5,000 people, depending. Um, it's a wonderful place. I lived with the mayor of the town, so I got to be fairly well known. Um and I had a fantastic year, and I've kept up with all my friends and my host family ever since. Um, I just have, I developed an incredible love and appreciation for Norway uh, in particular, but also the other Scandinavian countries. And then I have a connection to Sweden as well, because I guess my older brother thought that I was so cool that he then also uh, met a Swedish woman and got married to her. And they lived in Sweden for seven years and had two kids over there. They've since come back to the States, um, but they have a Swedish speaking household. Um, so I speak Swedish and Norwegian with my nieces and my sister-in-law and my in-laws, her parents. So it's, you know, it's really a day-to-day -day part of my life. Um you know, being involved still with Scandinavian countries. And uh, I'm just so thankful because my life has been so enriched by all of those experiences. What, when was the last time you were in Sweden? Sweden, I hadn't, I haven't been to in a while. I, before the pandemic had been going to Norway um, almost on a yearly basis and, or my friends and family from Norway would come to New York several times a year. So, you know, I, I felt like every few months I was having some visit or interaction with, you know, people in Scandinavia. So. That's fantastic. You know, I, I got to go to Sweden. Um, I think it was in uh, February uh, of 2020. And uh, it was in the middle of this pandemic. And I remember getting on a, on a plane and flying from, uh, I believe it was from Newark to uh, through, uh, I don't remember, I think it was Iceland and then from Iceland to Sweden. And But I remember it was very strange to me because it was um, everybody on the flight was with a mask already. And about a, a few weeks earlier, I'd flown to Israel and we had no mask. But when I landed in Israel, we were told that there were a whole bunch of tourists there that wanted to return to China and were not permitted to fly back. Uh, and they were stranded there. But um, I remember flying to, to Sweden. It was the first time. It was, really was magical. And the reason I flew there was uh, for one of our projects, which was a project called Photografiska. So first of all, once we, we can all get together again, uh, while we may not be able to go right to Sweden again, I would love to take you to Photografiska if you haven't been there yet. And uh, and I went to see what, our, what, what one of our clients has been doing there um, so I can better understand their vision and so forth in terms of our 
uh, U.S. And, and international representation of them. And for those who don't know, Fotografiska is a fantastic uh, photo- photographic museum that was launched uh, in Stockholm and has grown since then internationally with the locations in New York, uh, in Tallinn, and, and more locations to come. And um, it is made, at least for me, art uh, understandable, uh, uh, comfortable to see it, understand it, as opposed to um, things that are, are mu- uh, much more involved in terms of old masters and so forth. But it's been a fantastic project. And uh, to me, one of the things that was exciting as a lawyer working on that project is it wasn't just a real estate project. You had to really understand the culture, the vision uh, of what they were trying to accomplish in order to work on the overall project. And uh, luckily, Fotografiska has a, a tremendous team, a, a, a team of visionaries, a professional team, and they put together a great project. And it launched December of 2019, and it was open through uh, uh, towards the end of March. Uh, and uh, I was able to go there a couple of times. But really, it was a, a fantastic project. And the ability through that to learn about the at least the Swedish culture um, was great. And it didn't just lead me to learn about Swedish culture. It led me to learn about their business culture as well, because I had to deal with my colleagues over the sea. And uh, the one thing when I went to the first meeting there with all the lawyers and so forth was that one thing that was universal is that all the lawyers by chance showed up wearing a black suit and a a, a blue shirt and a kind of a red tie. I don't know why, but we all showed up that way. Um, But what can you tell me a little bit about, you know, did you find, do you have the same kind of experience with the, with the business cultures in these countries? I think that we really can't minimize the importance of understanding cross-cultural communication when we're doing business work for our clients. Even though a client speaks in our language, it doesn't mean that they necessarily approach a transaction or a litigation with the same mindset as an American person would. And I think that the fact that I spent, you know, a year of my life in Norway, in the Arctic, in a really time when Norway was at its most you know, fundamentally Norwegian. Um, you know, it was all about something they call friluftsliv and the outdoors and the love of nature and family and community. And they still, of course, have all of those fundamental uh, goals and principles in their minds. But of course, as we've all become more international, you know, there's also become a more, you know, international focus and culturally aware uh, mindset of people in Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, Finland as well. But I was really fortunate because I really got to learn their culture. And when I do work for clients there, I find that that's invaluable. Um, and understanding and respecting their perspective is so important. Um, and not just coming in and, you know, bulldozing and saying, well, that's not how we do it here in the States. I mean, I think it's really important to respect their goals because we're client oriented and we're, we're focused on providing the best services that we can for our clients. And so even though we may be communicating in large part with in English and certainly when there are any adversaries involved, a lot of the communication may be in English, but I think there's a real value add to be able to converse in, in their languages and really get a sense for what their goals are on a really deep level. So It's interesting. Uh, a lot of people ask me, uh, do you need to speak Hebrew to transact in Israel? Why do clients come to you? Because you speak Hebrew? 
And I tell them Israelis are, are, are very competent in, in transacting in English and writing English, communicating English, but they find that uh, it's a lot easier for them to negotiate my bills in Hebrew. <laughs> or I need to speak Hebrew. But yeah. uh, all, all kidding aside, um, based on some of the things you were saying, I find it very interesting because of the Abraham Accords. I've been doing a lot of work in terms of uh, gearing up for uh, U.S., Israel, UAE, and other country collaborations. And one of the things that I've been spending a lot of time trying to learn more about, I've been doing that with speaking with some of our clients, some some real estate funds that have raised money from Gulf countries uh, and Israel uh, and so forth. it's very interesting to me the different cultural, the business culture, how it differs from country to country. So, uh, for example, uh, in Israel, people uh, tend to be very much very direct, very fast, and 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 want to run with things. Uh, less about kind of you know getting to know each other and so forth. They want to run with the deals. And when you talk to somebody from the Emirates, uh, they want to get to know you. Let me understand what you're about, who you are. Uh, they're very meticulous about the business plans and the budget. They spend a lot of time digging into them, and they come prepared to the meetings. Whereas you go to the Nordic countries, where I went to meetings, where the culture around the table was whoever wants to talk gets to talk and say everything they want to say and get it get it out. Don't interrupt. Let people speak. So I think it's fantastic. And then, you know, when you come to the U.S., all of a sudden – you're doing your first transaction, you're like, what is this 300-page agreement about when I do it in Germany or I do it in Sweden or I do it in, in Israel? We have a 20-page agreement. Why is it so long? So it, I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's very important to have somebody who's able to help handhold, um, for lack of a better term, and, and guide them through the process and why things are different. I don't know about you. Do you, you get this comment about but in but in Germany, but in Israel, but in in England, we do it this way. How, how do you address that when people raise that? I think it's important, and I and I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, a Scandinavian business person is very much going to want to have everyone communicate, everyone's perspective heard, um, and then they're going to really think about all of those things and come to a decision that takes everyone's perspectives into account. I mean, it's part of their that's just part of their culture. I totally agree with that. But yeah, I think that it's it's important to be able to understand that and then say, those are all wonderful things. But in the States, we have to protect our clients from potential litigation. I mean, that is every business deal here is really looking to an eye to how do we avoid conflict. And the more we can spend our time up front drafting very clear agreements with very, sometimes very particular terms that a client overseas may say, well, that's never going to happen. And we're going to say, well, actually it has happened in XYZ situations. And we're trying to put the work, the legwork in up front so that we can avoid you having to go to court later on. Because especially in Scandinavia, I mean, avoiding court is such an important uh, goal. I mean, Scandinavian people really don't like to litigate. And I have 
friends in, in Norway that don't even want to come to the States because they're literally afraid that the second they pick up their bag from the baggage carousel, they're going to get sued. I've tried to explain them. That's really not how it works here. But, you know, I think that that is really important to explain to someone in any country, but in particular, the Nordic countries. That's why we have to have such long agreements here, because it's it, it will hopefully save you a lot of trouble down the road. I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of trends we're seeing coming out of the countries. So I'll share with you a little bit about what I've been seeing in some of the countries I've been working with. Clearly, there's a big buzz about the Abraham Accords, and there's a lot of uh, getting to know each other going on in the Middle East amongst the countries, and we've been involved there. Uh, In terms of inbound U.S. work, we've been doing a lot of investment work for our clients, both on the debt and the equity side. Over the last two months, uh, on behalf of uh, Israeli clients, we've acquired shopping centers, which is a big surprise, in the uh, Midwest with uh, local partners. We've acquired hotels in, in, in the area. Again, distressed situations, but we're, we're, our clients were very bullish on, on hospitality and think it'll rebound very quickly, which uh, typically happens after a downturn. In terms of the Nordic practice, again, during this period of time, not only did Fotografiska launch, but um, we also worked with the, the great team there in terms of uh, combining that activity with uh, another domestic company called Neuhaus which is a uh, co-working space and that had a lot of synergies with Fotografiska. And we're seeing that even throughout the pandemic uh, with the vision behind Fotografiska, both domestic and internationally, they've been uh, uh, transitioning and harmonizing a lot of their activities and, and showcasing Fotografiska type artworks in the Neuhaus facilities and holding events at Neuhaus facilities throughout the country. And it's really exciting to see that people you know, are, are open to deal with the challenges of uncertainty, which uh, I find is has always been the case in Israel. Israel kind of day to day would live in uncertainty. So that's how their business thrives in uncertainty. Um, it's nice to see that Europe is getting more accustomed to kind of having that vision with a strong and visionary team. It's fantastic. And um, I'm also seeing a lot more collaboration between the Nordic countries and Israel, clearly and particularly in the uh, startup space. and. And Israel, as a lot of us know, has been called the startup nation. There's a book, Startup Nation. Now they're being referred to as the vaccine nation because of what's going on. What areas are you, are people talking to you about that they're interested in kind of exploring or things will be the next trend in terms of business development between Nordic countries and the U.S. or other places that people are are having discussions with you? Um, I think tech is just gigantic. I mean, all kinds of tech, health tech, uh, ordinary tech, fintech. Um, prop tech. I just, anything that ends in a tech, I, the Nordics are interested in. And I think rightly so. Um, I think obviously renewable energy is a huge push in Norway. I mean, Nor- Nordgisbank Investment Management, which is known as the oil fund, uh, they just rebranded. They just did, closed a huge deal for offshore wind energy. Um, and I think there's going to be a huge push going forward for all of those as Norway in particular transitions from, you know, oil based economy to renewable sources. Big data. I mean, there's some amazing companies out of Norway on big data, um, data collection, all kinds of things like that. I, I think we've seen, you know, historically the Nordic countries have been leaders in that area and Sweden, um, and in Finland, Nokia, and, uh, you know, just, you know, I just think we're going to continue to see tech innovation coming out of 
the Nordics. And I think that's a great synergy with the Israeli companies. And I think to that end, I mean, we in particular are great uh, resources for any company wanting to do business in those two countries because we can help facilitate uh, using our contacts. So I'm really excited about it. I'm a member of the Norwegian American Chamber of Commerce, and I think there's just so, so much great work going on in all those areas. One of the things that's interesting about the uh, about Israel is that originally it was called the land of uh, milk and honey because we didn't, we didn't have oil and gas. Then we kind of found some gas, no oil, uh, and now we're called the startup nation. But you know, when I was looking at the Nordic countries, it's amazing how how such a, a, a geographic location is so diverse in terms of of what it does: technology, food industries, life sciences, uh, clean tech technology, telecommunication, forestry. Really, there's a lot going on in in such a uh, uh, a, a small geographic, relatively small geographic area and small population. What, what do you think are the trends that we're going to see going forward in terms of export, import from the Nordic countries? Well, I mean, shipping obviously and fishing are, in, in terms of Norway, are, they, they have a huge coastline. And um, so they have a, a historically is a, a huge corner of both those markets. Um, and of course, Denmark as well in shipping. Um, and that goes back to also the Viking days of, you know, trade. I mean, Vikings, Vikings are inappropriately, some would say, thought of as being just across the board bad. But the, the primary focus of Viking culture was actually trade and agriculture. And I think we've seen that continue to this day in, in those countries. I mean, they're really focused on trade and agriculture. It goes way back in their DNA, so to speak. Um, and huge, just very, very strong pushes for entrepreneurial spirit, um, <clears throat> co-working, and really having a sense of wanting to engage in business activities that have an underlying uh, benefit. You know, I think that's something that I've really been impressed with is, is really emphasizing how can we make money, but how can it really serve the greater good? That's why it's always a pleasure to, to work with Scandinavians, because I think there's always an interest in, in focusing on that. You know, Deb, something that, that's very interesting to me is that if you look at the ranking of the uh, happiest countries in the world, um, there are different ones, but I seem to only f always find Finland, Denmark, and Sweden right in the top 10. Uh, really yeah. happy countries. It's amazing. And I think Israel is somewhere in the kind of around number 11, if I'm not mistaken, so a lot of synergies between between these countries. I I agree. I think then the main one for me is just the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, every business person I've met from Israel and Norway, for that matter, Sweden, Finland, just so interested in moving the needle and thinking creatively and really trying to problem solve. And it's it's really impressive. And I think it's interesting this the. The similarities, even though they're so far away and their their weather is so different, um, so many similarities. Well, Deb, this has been really fascinating. I'm very excited about what we spoke to, about today. I'm really excited about the future, and I can't wait uh, for us to be able to fly again and uh, go meet with our clients, take them out, catch up. I'm sure that's similar to Israel. The folks in the Nordic countries enjoy the FaceTime, the actual FaceTime. Uh, meeting, talking, collaborating face-to-face. -face. So uh, I hope we can do that soon. 
again. And uh, with that, if you have any questions about any of our international practices or our specific country desks, feel free to call myself up, call up uh, Deb or any one of our colleagues on the international page of our website. And we are very thankful for you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you all so much for joining. It's been such a pleasure. And we are happy to set up a Teams meeting or a virtual meeting in the meantime before we can all travel again. And to all of our Nordic friends that understand Norwegian, I just want to say, it was great having you all here and hope to see you all and talk to you all soon. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Shukran. And a few more languages we'll do next time. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye. Thank you very much for joining us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional recordings, please visit us at www.herrick.com.